0: Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find a church, family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. But Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We give you glory, we give you honor. Lord, it's your word that's true. You're the shepherd of this house. You're the Lord and you're the Savior. I am nothing, God. I am nothing. And it's your word that we come to. It's you who we want to grow closer to. So Speak to us. Help us to hear you. Help your word to be real to us. Let your spirit come right now in Jesus' name. Um, when you came in, you should have gotten a, a notes page. You can follow along with that or on the Bible app. Uh, If you use the Bible app, um, you can actually get one of those for free. You don't have to steal somebody's Bible. But you can download that app and you can follow along. Our notes are in there. Um, We put them in, try to make sure they're in there every week. Um, But you you can do that. Now, the book of 2 Peter, uh, we started off last week. And Peter is writing to a group of believers. And he tells them, basically, uh, take your faith seriously. Go through and read chapter 1. He says, make every effort make every effort, therefore, too. And he lists a whole bunch of things that we went through last week that, that God would encourage you, if you are a believer in Jesus and not, not somebody just checking them out. If, you're, if you don't believe in Jesus, I understand that. that it might be a, a step some of you are about to take or interested in taking. But if you believe in him, read chapter 1. He's very clear. It says, if you believe, uh, make every effort. That means Try. Not that you're earning something from God, but giving him your best. Your best may not be very good, but he loves you. The same way when your kids come to you and they're they're little and they're three years old and they draw a picture and it's crazy looking and ugly, but it's your kids, so it's beautiful. And as they get older, it gets better, right? And then pretty soon as, as my kids are getting older, I'm like, man, you are really talented. You are really beautiful. You are really smart. But my love for them never changed. What they were capable of at two years old, I was proud of. And what they're capable of at eight and 11 and 14, I'm still proud of. So do your best. If you've been following Christ, make an effort to grow. Make an effort to take the next step. And so that was chapter one. And then chapter 2, where he actually ends chapter 1 with a, a very, you can go and read it. We won't get to it today. We're going to spend most of our time in chapter 2, but it applies. He ends chapter 1, and, and you can go read it. And he's talking about the, the no prophecies of any private interpretation. And he mentions how the, some scriptures are hard to understand. And he even calls out Paul. Think about how funny that is. Peter calls out Paul, one of the guys who wrote a lot of the Bible books. And you can read the verse, and he's like, some of the things Paul's right are really hard to get. They're really hard to understand, and some people twist those. And I believe that the Bible was written under the inspiration of the Spirit, and it should be read under the inspiration of the Spirit. And even then, some things are hard to understand. And that brings us to our topic in chapter 2, verse 1. Um, and it says, but, so he's changing. He says, but false prophets always arose, um, sorry, false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. There will be. And you've got to understand this. There are going to be false teachers among you. There might even be somebody in this room. We know the enemy comes and he plants wheat and there's also tares. And I'm not calling anyone out individually. I, I don't have a feeling about anyone in here. There's, if I did, I'd tell you to go. But there are going to be false teachers. People that bring falsehood, that bring lies. And and Peter's warning the church. So we probably should take this serious because it says, there will be. That's a certainty. Now, I think Peter was writing to a certain group of people at a certain time, and I think this was definitely specifically for them. But I think it's a very good warning for us to take. And if you flip over to the back, there's some things you can fill in And one of them is I think false teachers will be among us. And we got to know what to look for. We got to know how to protect ourselves and our body so that falsehood doesn't come in. Do you want to believe a lie? Last night, there was something, and we have somebody from our church here. I'm not going to point her out. I'm not trying to embarrass her. But at the state fair right there, you guys saw the video. If you woke up and if you went online, there were people running out of the state fair. And I saw some guy up on the, the Ferris wheel, and they're flooding out. We have somebody here that was there. They said it was crazy. And as you read the news articles this morning... You had one group of people saying, oh, it was just these people freaking out. Nothing happened. Another group of people saying, no, I promise I heard this. I saw this. This is what really happened. And we're in a day and age where there's so much to read and there's so much to study that, man, it's hard to tell what's going on. You can read stuff from all over the sphere and you get so many opinions. And there are some people that are right. There are some people that are wrong on accident and there are some people that are lying. There's multiple things coming and it's the same way with the scripture. Some of us in here are right. Some of us in here, myself included, are wrong. And may God never allow any of us in here to lie on purpose. And the other point I want to say before we move to the Scripture is that there's a difference, and this is something that you can put on the screen and it's on the back, there's a difference between a false teacher and a teacher who's wrong. Because even Peter himself was corrected by Paul, if you read the book of Acts. Man, I started preaching when I was 18 years old. How stupid were you at 18? Some of you are very close to 18. In 10, 20 years, you're going to think, man, I was a dummy. Has anybody done that? You've looked back on something. You've seen a memory on Facebook, something you've posted. You've, you've found a journal. You've seen an article or a paper you've written. And you're like, what was I thinking and how did I believe that? Or have you always had it right? Because I haven't. So there's been times that I've probably been wrong. Not on purpose. But I've made mistakes. I can't point to one of them. There's nothing that sticks out that I says, I know I was really wrong on that. But I bet if I went through and I listened to all my messages since um, I was 18 years old, I could find something that I would disagree with myself about. But the word of God has never changed. And I wasn't doing it on purpose. I wasn't purposefully lying. I just might have not have had the understanding but I've done my best to study and to grow and to grow in seminary and, and to do better. But Brother Mike over here, I've, we've known each other for a very long time. He heard me at that age. He could probably tell you the list of stuff that I was wrong on. But I do my best to stay as close to Scripture as possible. But there are false teachers. And that's a different thing. That's what Peter is talking about. And he's going to describe them. And so I'm going to give you some clues. Or Actually, Peter does. I'm just going to point to him some clues of some things you can look for in a false teacher. If you go back to the verse, it says, False prophets also arose among the people. It's talking about the nation of Israel. There were false prophets. But notice he switches the term and he says, But there will be false teachers among you. People teaching things, explaining things who will secretly, they're not telling you they're a false teacher. It's a secret. They're sly. They bring in destructive heresies. And later on, we'll find out they're also taking your money. They bring in something that sounds good, and they pickpocket you. If you don't know this, and I realized this last night, we're raising a generation of kids who are going to be the best pickpockets in the world. The reason I know this is all five of my kids want my cell phone. And they have found a way to come up and give me the biggest, sweetest hugs and lift my phone out of my pocket without me even knowing. And five minutes later, I'm like, where's my phone? And they're in the corner. (laughs) Give me that back. But they're good. And sometimes I think the hug is genuine, but I've noticed sometimes the hug is not genuine. I can see it in their eye. They're like, Daddy. Buddy. Daddy. I love you. And they walk away. And they turn. And they've got what they've wanted. And they've left me broke but there's false teachers, and they're bringing things from the outside. That's one of the points you can put on on the screen, and we're going to talk about that for a minute, is a false teacher um, is bringing things from outside into the church. Bringing things, bringing ways to think, ways to believe that are not from the scripture. They're bringing those into the church and making the church bend to them. Now, your mind just went 100 places. I didn't say anything specific. But if you got your ears open and you got the spirit of God in you, you can think of the few things that are coming into the church, that the church is calling darkness light, calling evil good. It's happening. It's always happened. It's nothing new. This was 2,000 years ago but they bring something that doesn't belong into the church. Now, let's not take this too far. There's some stuff that's going to come into the church. Some stuff in culture is fine in the church. What's good in the church? We all speak English here. Let's talk in English. We don't have to read in Greek and Hebrew and only speak Hebrew because all of us would be like, I don't don't know what's going on. Some churches for a long time, they did that. They would stick with one language for a longer time, but the culture was like, you know what? It'd kind of be good if I could understand that. So we can bring the language of culture into the Bible to help us understand it. We don't all have to become Greek experts. Learning Greek is great. Learning Hebrew is wonderful. But you can bring that from the outside. That's not bad. But there's plenty of things from the outside that have no place in the church. That have no place in the body of believers. And if you let them come in, what did the scripture say? They are destructive heresies brought in from the outside, secretly snuck in, and they're destroying people because the church is people. They're destroying souls. They're destroying hearts. They're destroying lives. Let's go back up to the scripture. It says, even denying the master who bought them. Even denying the master. I mean, a very good clue that somebody's wrong is they're denying Christ. You're denying Christ. You're denying the resurrection. You're denying that He is the Lord. He is King. He has died for you. His blood is effective for you. It's a bad place to be. And if you read that, the master who bought them, who's the them? The false teachers. It's very interesting. Did Christ even die for them? That's what it seems like. It's saying. Verse 2. And many, and I know this isn't super fun, but it's the Bible and it's good. It's okay. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed... They will exploit you with false words. Ah, oh, It's so simple. They tell you what you want to hear. They tell you not the truth, but what do you want to hear? Don't we have whole classes of people that are good at telling people what they want to hear? You want to hear that? Fine. Look, I can figure a way to do this. And they exploit you. They give you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. And they take your money. There's a great YouTube video, I'm not gonna call his name out, but there's this guy who's a minister and he's getting a deposition for like two hours. It's hilarious because they're talking about the money the guy makes and what he does with it. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Did you claim this dependent? I've never heard of that person before in my life. He's on your taxes. Oh, yes. I provided them food and shelter. $30,000 at Dolce & Cabana. Yes, their clothes last very long. Belts, shoes. It's great. If you want to watch it, people at work told me about it, not even like strong believers. You could watch it, and if you have anything in your heart, you will cry both out of anger and out of happiness because he is an idiot, and he is a liar. But he has shown how he's manipulated people in some of the poorest cities in the country, to give him hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars. Now, I'm not saying a pastor can't have a nice house or a pastor can't have nice clothes, but I'm saying something. This is something that I take very, very serious because out of all of Jesus' disciples, who's the guy who betrayed him? The dude who couldn't handle money. So I take handling God's money as something like, hey, it went really bad for Judas, and I plan on not going that way So I'm going to try to be respectful and honorable and not not that pastors can't make money, but let's be honest, there's some things that have happened, and I'm not saying here, but in some churches where people rip people off. And that's a pretty good sign that something's not right because the scripture said it. But it says many will follow their sensuality because it sounds good and it feels good because it's sensual. Sensual chocolate, everyone. Sensual chocolate. It's something that it just feels good. It make, it, make, it tickles the soul. It tickles the body, and it and it lets you move. But it's actually destroying the soul. Verse four. Well, actually, let's finish up reading there. I didn't complete that. It's, it says that God, um, their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. God's going to bring it on them. God's not forgotten. Verse 4, look at what God says about these people. He says, For God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but he cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment. So God is going to go through, Peter's going to make the case that even though there are false prophets, God is not blind, he is not deaf, and he will bring the smackdown. So he's going to bring a few examples of people who received the smackdown. The first example he goes to are the angels saying, hey, these people think they're getting away with something, they're telling you what you want to hear so they can exploit you, but don't worry, God took care of the angels. None of us in here could take care of an angel. None of us could. All of us together could not take care of an angel. God took care of multiple angels at once with the mouth of his word. God can take care of false teachers. Verse 5, remember, God did not spare the ancient world. But he preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. These false teachers, they bring in something sensual. They come with greed. They come to exploit you. They are teaching you to live a way you shouldn't. It's not just a way you think, but it acts out in the way you live. Remember, Peter's saying, not only did God take care of the angels... God took care of the whole world once. He will do it again. If you are ungodly, goodbye. But God can save people. God can preserve people. Remember Noah. There's always hope in the midst of destruction. I'm not glorying in the fact of destruction. I'm not wishing that anyone would get destroyed. I don't want anybody in the world to go to hell. I don't want anybody to be under God's judgment. I don't want God's judgment. I want them to find the mercy in Christ. But the fact of the matter is, eventually some people will receive judgment. And they deserve it. In fact, we all do. But we have mercy in Christ. Verse 6. He gives another cheery example of angels getting kicked out of heaven, of the whole world dying in a flood. Think about the next time you paint that in your kid's room. Remember this story when God just killed everybody? Yay, animals, elephants. And then the next cherry story God gives is Sodom and Gomorrah. Just lighthearted, just real light stuff here. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, the ungodly will be extinct. And it's good that they're extinct. It's good false teachers will not thrive. It's good liars will not exist. That's a good thing. I mean, unless you're a liar, we'll repent and believe the gospel and find mercy. But it is a good thing, extinction. And God says, you know what? One of the things about Sodom and Gomorrah is I really wanted this to be an example do you want God to make an example out of you? Depends what kind of example. If you said wrong, if you said no, that's the wrong answer. If you want to be an example of what mercy looks like, yes, Lord. What grace looks like, yes. An example of what God condemning someone looks like, no. You can go read about what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah, and I would encourage you also to read the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16. He tells you very clearly, this was their sin. They had full bellies, plenty of food. They did not take care of the poor among them. In the book of Genesis, it talks about men raping men. The city gone to wickedness. Verse 7, but he rescued the righteous lot. See, there's always hope. I know this is hard, but he rescued the righteous hope. So it's not the story of just God punishing the ungodly. That's never God's story. God's story of God punishes those who deserve it, and he rescues some people. He gives mercy to others. He rescued Lot, who was greatly distressed by the sensual—there's the word again—look it up—conduct of the wicked— for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds of what he saw and heard. If you're living in this world, this world that I'm living in now is not the same world that I got saved in. 1998 is not here anymore. 1985, 1975, 19 whenever you were a Christian. 2010, it's not here anymore. But if you look at the world, and it doesn't distress your soul, is it righteous? Have you been changed? Do you see as God sees? Because there's some craziness. There's some craziness. But God rescued him. Verse 9 then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. You need to know that. I think it's going to happen more. Other countries, it happens a lot more than it does here. I'm not trying to be a fatalist. But there's going to become some time in your life when you have to stand for what you believe, where you have to say, this is what I believe And I can't change that. And trust that God knows how to rescue you. I mean, the church was started in an area where it was illegal. The church was started in an area where they were called the, basically the dredge of society. All the problems were blamed on them. And it will probably look like that again one day. Why not? Why wouldn't it? Especially when we allow false teachers in. And we reduce what we are from what God wanted us to be. So God will rescue us. God will protect us. But God also knows how to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. That just sounds all bad. I'm not trying to be bad. It's just the word of God right there sounds pretty harsh. The unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment the liars, the thieves, the people extorting and exploiting the body of Christ. They're under God's punishment. And when judgment comes, I would hate to be them. Wouldn't you hate to be that person? Wouldn't you hate to be one that manipulated and stole from God's people? That promised freedom, but left them in captivity? And it says, and especially those Verse 10. I did not write this. Especially those. What does especially mean? I'm going to put a little extra sauce on it. Make sure they don't get by it. All the kids are in trouble, but you, especially you, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. I have the responsibility to bring you the word. The best way to avoid false teachers is to be a true student. To you, be a true student. I was meeting with a lady here that has been coming to our church for a couple weeks. We met last week. And one of the things she told me was so rare. She said, I pulled up your statement of faith. I wanted to see what you believed. Most people are like, what? What's that? Do you know what we believe? Be a good student. Study the word. If you have any questions about anything on our website, you can go read it. You can talk about it. We can have a conversation about what may stick out to you as well. What do you mean by that? And on the flip side, there are people in our body that do not agree on everything exactly the same. There are some topics that we're like, hey, I could be wrong. You could be wrong. You're probably wrong, but we'll just be brothers. (laughs) I mean, that's how I look like it. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure I'm not the wrong one, but you, you're way off. And we're just hoping you hang around till you get it figured out. No, but there's some things that don't, that aren't essential. That are just kind of like, hey, how does this work? But there's some very, very clear things in Scripture that we hold on to dearly. Um, I want to go through a few things. The two marks of a, and we're, we're ending right now. Two marks of a false teacher. Um, number one, uh, Peter said, greed. Greed is desiring to have more than one's due, insatiableness. Greed. We can put that up there. Greed. Desiring have more than one's due. Pastors should get their due. Pastors should get what they need to get. They should be taken care of. Eventually, one day in this church, whether it's me or somebody, there might be somebody that comes on staff, and you know, you want to pay them, right? You want to take care of them. I'm not saying that they need a Bentley, but do you want them you know, I don't know, 2005 car, 2010, I mean, something that they can drive and a house they can live in and maybe feed their kids. Like, give them what their due is. Take care of them. Bless them. There's nothing wrong with that. But greed is different. And if you see that in somebody, we're not going to, we don't charge for things in our church. We've never charged for a meal. We don't charge for hangout. We don't charge for t-shirts. All of this stuff is yours anyway. Everything in here is yours. Except so for the chairs, those are the harvests. But anything that's ours is yours. You paid for it. I didn't eat it all. You guys paid for it. So enjoy it. The hangout when we eat, we paid for it together in our giving. But look for greed. And then the last one is sensuality. Sensuality, it's a lack of self-restraint which involves one in conduct that violates all bounds of what is socially acceptable. A lack of self-constraint. Maybe it might be, hey, none of us are perfect, so we can all just do this anyway. Just things that are out there, things that are in the Word, things I didn't write but I want you to be good students, so read your word. We have people in this body who do, and I'm going to close it with this, is if God is going to take us where we need to go, we have to allow the word to guide us. The spirit should draw us into the word and illuminate it. We should get understanding. We should get grow. We should be holy. It should be as if Christ is living in us. And how can he live in us if we look so different than what his word says? How can we call ourselves God's people if we don't look like him? You know, my kids all look different. Sometimes they look at me and they're like, you're not the daddy. Some of them, they're like, you're the daddy. But out of the five, there's a couple, they're like, I don't know. Blue eyes? Hmm somebody's lying. But as they grow up and they th- act like me and they think like me and they're sarcastic like me and they are critical of others, I'm like, that's my daughter. <laughs> She's just like me. Do you have that same resemblance with your father in heaven? Would you close your eyes just for a second when you bow your heads? And, and I apologize for the weighty word, but I can honestly say I didn't write it. And I can honestly say the weight is good for the soul sometimes. And I want to challenge you to think through the people you listen to, the people you read, the people you study. And just to be wise. To judge them by the word. And remember, there's a difference between... A teacher's who wrong who's wrong on something. There's a lot of teachers I love. I don't agree with everything they believe. And a teacher who's clearly a false teacher. You may not agree with everything I believe or the way I interpret the scripture, but I don't think I'm a false teacher. I'm giving you my best explanation of what I see in the word and who I believe God to be. I'm not trying to come after your money and I'm not trying to lead you into a sensual, feel-good lifestyle whose end result is destruction. I'm trying to lead you to Christ who is the way to salvation. I'm trying to lead you to know Jesus. Our prayer that you would fall in love with Jesus, the true Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. love with him, every fiber of your being. Father God, I thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you for your word. We know there's so much in there that's hard to understand, and it challenges us, and it pushes us, and it it makes us wonder, God. Lord, for everyone in here who's struggling with with understanding the truth, or, or needing to grow in knowledge, I pray you'd give them the grace to be good students, to study before the test, to read the book before the final test, and have understanding and humility and to search the scriptures, not just glance through them, but to search, to study. Rightly divide your word and represent you truly. And may greed and sensuality not have a place in our lives. Not have a place in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? i <laughs> Bob. <laughs>